It's the Locked On Aggies Podcast, presented by Locked On Podcast Network, talking all things Texas A&M. Now, here's your host, Cole Thompson. Howdy, everybody, and welcome back into another episode of Locked On Aggies, presented by the Locked On Podcast Network. Cole Thompson back in the driver's seat, talking all things Texas A&M. Guys, we're going to break down tonight's basketball game as Texas A&M was able to get that 56-52 win over Troy, but there's a little more things that are some maybe more important right now that you could discuss with the A&M program, and that is... The final two games of the season as Texas A&M maybe will not be in the college football playoff this year, but they could play spoilers to two teams in back-to-back weeks as both number four Georgia and number one LSU will host the Aggies with their chance of playing the upset role and sending both these teams into the SEC championship with a loss, possibly putting the SEC completely out of the contention. That is a huge role and a huge risk for AM. But at the same time, there's a lot of things that Georgia has done right and LSU has done completely right to really set the tone for their schedule. I mean, when you look at these two teams, there's a reason they're in the number one and the number four spot. It's not because the committee is thinking the SEC is the best conference. It's because if you look at the wins and the quality, the way these two teams have played, That speaks more volume. And today we have a very special guest joining us from Sports Illustrated's Bulldog Maven. Make sure you're following him on social media at Brooks Austin SI. Give it up for Brooks Austin, senior writer for Bulldogs Maven. Brooks, how you doing, man? I'm doing well, Cole. And I loved how you opened the podcast with a little howdy to the folks. That's a little Texas brand, a little Southern hospitality uh, that I like to see, man. Got some family out there in Texas, so... I'm well accustomed to the howdy life. I'm glad to be here on the podcast, man. I appreciate you for having me, Cole. Hey, thank you so much for having us. And that is a Texas A&M tradition. You don't say hello. You don't say how are you. You say howdy. And that is how you start a day. So, Brooks, uh, for anyone who doesn't know about the Maven kind of coalition, I try to explain on the show for Aggie Maven fans and for anyone for the fans of Locked on Aggies, can you explain your role with the Sports Illustrated family and the Maven coalition? Yeah, so for the longest time, I mean, everyone's heard of the Sports Illustrated brand and Sports Illustrated name for, you know, dating back all the way into the late 40s uh, in the 20th century. But nowadays, you know, Sports Illustrated has never had, you know, boots on the ground, guys that are covering specific teams for specific fan bases. And now for the first time uh, in Sports Illustrated's history, we have team channels uh, for Sports Illustrated. And that's what I and Cole now run uh, for Georgia and Texas A&M, respectfully. So any and everything you want to know about Georgia Bulldogs athletics, you can find over at SI.com forward slash college forward slash Georgia. So all my Bulldog fans, uh, that's basketball, baseball, football. If it's news, we've got it over there on the Bulldog Maven. So, yeah, that's kind of what we're doing uh, with these team sites. We're just, you know, uh, uh, providing local coverage uh, to local teams that, you know, previously hadn't been done uh, under the Sports Illustrated brands. So that's just kind of the rundown. Yeah, it's definitely a big transition for Sports Illustrated. It's a big transition for anyone who works in the sporting department like a Brooks Austin or like a Cole Thompson. Make sure you're following him on social media at Brooks Austin. Brooks, we got a long show ahead of us tonight, uh, this morning, but before we go any further, let's just focus on this one question before we go take a little bit of a break, and let's just focus on Georgia. Now, 
the team is coming in with a nine and one record. They're six and one in SEC play. But when you look at this Georgia team, there's been four opportunities for them to lose. And they've had big, substantial leads in the game, especially against Notre Dame and Auburn. Now, when you look at those games and you look at the South Carolina game, what do you think has been the problem? Is it the offensive side of the ball or is it the defensive side of the ball that continues to allow teams to kind of slowly trickle back in late in the game? Yeah, so first we'll start with the South Carolina loss. Something that's completely out of the ordinary for the Georgia offense, especially under the helm of Jake Fromm. Four turnovers in that football game. The loss of turnover margin four to zero. And they weren't ever able to run the football uh, to their standard, to the effect uh, that they necessarily want to as the Georgia Bulldog football program. So let's kind of deal with that first. The loss is, you know, obviously uh, out of the ordinary, like we mentioned, with the turnover margin. South Carolina did a good job of, you know, matching the physicality at the point of attack on that line of scrimmage, which is what every opponent has to do going into a matchup with the Georgia Bulldogs. As for the other three football games you mentioned, Notre Dame, Florida, and Auburn, yes, all three football games within one score there late uh, with all three opponents having the opportunity to score and at least tie the game there late in all three of those matchups. But, Cole, it's kind of what Georgia does when they get up. A lot of Georgia fans get aggravated with it. They say Kirby Smart and staff pulls their foot off the gas or they get conservative with play calling, but that's just the nature of Kirby Smart. Look, when he's got two scores on you, he knows his football team can run the football. At least he believes they do, and he knows this defense is good enough to get a stop at any point in the game when he needs it. So that's just kind of his mentality, man. They're going to run the football, they're going to protect the football, and they're going to milk the clock. Time of possession is something huge for the Georgia Bulldogs, and when they control the clock, when they win time of possession, and when they win the turnover margin, uh, they're pretty much undefeated this season. I mean, the only game they've really gotten their butt whooped in the turnover margin is that South Carolina game, as we mentioned. And, you know, even then, you had a pick six in that football game uh, and, and some of those turnovers in the in your own end. So, you know, a Georgia defense that only allowed 18 points in that football game still, even though with the turnover margin being backed up. So a great defense. They're trying to run the ball and run the clock. So that's kind of the conservative nature that's led and allowed teams to get back into the football game, Cole. No, I definitely wouldn't see that. I definitely have seen that on the field this year for Georgia. I mean, they are a very talented team on both sides of the ball. And when you look at what Kirby Smart has done, taking over for Mark Rick and bringing back the program to that high standard history, it's kind of funny, though, that you mentioned that that they take that giant lead early and then they start allowing teams to kind of come back in because it's kind of the opposite for Texas A&M. They'll give up that big lead early and then afterwards they'll slowly chip away at that lead and possibly come back and make it a little interesting. We saw that last year against Clemson. We saw that this year against Auburn, which you just saw Auburn and how Auburn was able to bounce back. It kind of was the opposite for AM. Auburn got out to a really strong start and Kellen Mond threw an interception early. That led to a 14-0 lead. And then eventually it was a 24-10 lead. And it ended up being, I mean, uh 21-10 lead. And then it ended up being a 28-21 loss. So when you face a team like AM, who has the ability to come back and is known for being more of that underdog team, how do you better prep for that? I mean, when it comes to doing your job, is I mean, it's, it's the Belichick phrase, but, you know, Kirby Smart's kind of cut from a similar cloth. He is a saving, you know, undergrad, if you will. So they're not really – they as a coaching staff, one thing that Kirby, Kirby Smart 
you know, alludes to every time he's in front of a microphone is that every week's the same. They prepare for every opponent, uh, you know, just like they did the week prior and just like they will next week. So as far as, you know, dealing with a team that's going to, you know, make a late push like A&M. Look, A&M's averaging, I believe, 34 points a game this season, Cole. So the Kirby, Kirby Smart staff will most definitely go into this game assuming that A&M will be able to put up points and put them up in a hurry. Um, one thing you'll kind of notice that Georgia does is similar, you know, on offense, it's run, 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 punt in the second half if they have a lead. On defense, you know, last week against Auburn in the first half, they played a lot of man-to-man in the second half. They kind of went into a quarter shell, kind of almost playing, you know, you're not going to call it prevent defense, but that's what it was. It was a keep everybody in front of you. If they score, make them score a 12-play drive, 13-play drive. So it's kind of a similar, you know, mindset every single week uh, for the Georgia football team and Kirby Smart as a head coach. It's run the ball, play defense, don't turn the ball over every week. That's it. It doesn't matter the opponent. They play their game plan. They make the opponent adjust. That's from that's what I've noticed from Kirby Smart and his staff going forward, Cole. I definitely can see that. And when you look at the one loss that you have on the season, I mean, that's a, that's a three-interception game, a four-turnover game by Jake Fromm. You don't see that that often, even though he may not be the best quarterback in the SEC. And you can argue that there are a couple quarterbacks who are maybe at his level already. He's been strong enough to continue to lead this team down the path. Guys, we have Brooks Austin on the show. He's going to be with us for the next two segments. And we will be talking about, of course, Jake Fromm, about that rushing attack, the running back by committee style that Georgia loves to do. They're known as RBU for a reason. And Brooks probably can give you a little more insight. So we're going to continue to talk about the offense and how AM maybe might be able to slow that down in just a quick moment. Locked on Aggies presented by the Locked On Podcast Network. Hey guys, make sure you're following us on social media. You can follow me at Locked On Aggies. You can also follow us at Aggies SI. Remember, Aggie Maven of Sports Illustrated and the Locked On Podcast Company have partnered together to give you more quality content, both written and audio for the show. Make sure you check all that out at si.com slash T-A-M-U and at Aggies SI. And if you want to give me a shout out, let me know what I'm doing right, what I'm doing wrong. I love constructive criticism. It's one of my favorite things out there. It's at Mr. Cole Thompson. Really simple. It's my name and I'm a mister. I'm a guy. So Mr. Cole Thompson, that's all you got to do. Guys, we have Brooks Austin. Brooks Austin SI. He is the senior writer for Bulldog Maven of Sports Illustrated on the show. Brooks, once again, thank you so much for joining me this morning. We are so excited to have you here. We're so excited to have another voice on the podcast. More importantly, we're excited to have someone who understands exactly what Georgia is all about. And one person who probably understands Georgia just as well as you do is the quarterback, Jake Fromm. Everyone remembers what happened when he kind of came in, took over for an injured Jacob Eason, and then just won the role won the starting job, and you look at him overall, he's been productive as the starting quarterback of Georgia, no matter what the numbers are. And I think that that, I think, speaks louder than anything else. Just what have you seen this year specifically now, the true leader, captain of that offense that he's been able to really bring to the table, especially starting out as a freshman and working his way with the new offense? So the first thing everyone goes to talk about when they talk about Jake Fromm, it's never the arm talent. It's never the ability to run or make plays with his feet. It's the decision-making. The guy never has his offense in a bad play. He has the ability and the freedom at the line of scrimmage. Unlike most in the college game, 
to, you know, have, you know, audibles at the line of scrimmage, check plays, you know, get offensive uh, guys aligned in the correct place, send motions uh, to get, you know, man or zone indicators that he necessarily needs prior to a snap. So if there's anything we're going to talk about when it comes to the, the development of Jake Fromm, something Coach Smart talked about this offseason, it's not, you know, I want to see a huge jump in his statistical uh, categories. I don't want to see him throw for 10 more touchdowns the last season. What Coach Smart mainly looked for this offseason heading into this season was how does Jake Fromm affect his teammates? How is he, you know, dealing with his teammates every day in and out of the locker room? Is he making those guys better? Is he affecting them in a positive way? And I don't think you can find anyone uh, around the Georgia Bulldog program that could possibly say a negative word about Jake Fromm and the way he does go about that, or the way he does go about affecting his teammates. And, uh, you know, he's had just about the same statistical season as he had the last three years. He is who he is at this point as a quarterback. You know, moving forward, it's just going to be about continuing uh, to get better, even better at at that decision-making and and keeping his offense on track and, and in the right place. No, I definitely agree with all of that. And I definitely think that when you look at true leaders of the field, one of the biggest things is you look at the quarterback position and when A&M players and when especially a guy like Jimbo Fisher, who's known for giving out compliments to other teams, he loves college football and I think he respects so many different type of players out there. But when you talk about just veteran leadership, that's what I think you look at at Jake Fromm. But what I also look at at Jake Fromm is also that game managing kind of style. You know, I've talked to a couple scouts and they say, ceilings is similar to Kirk Cousins. You got to put him around a ton of talent and a lot of different types of, you know, uh, systems and a lot of different types of formations that allow him to succeed. What have you seen this season with him right now? You're going into the final two games of the year and he's still under 2000 passing yards. Is that kind of a concern or does that just speak more to the volume of what you've seen from the run game overall? So, like we've initially talked about, whenever you talk about Kirby Smart offense or a team, rather, you know they're going to run the football. Um, But as far as Jake Fromm's, you know, maybe lack of stats this season, he lost his top five returning receivers from last year. So, you lose all those guys. Granted, he got the grad transfer uh, in Lawrence Cager from Miami. George Pickens, the five-star flip from Auburn, comes in as a freshman and is the second leading receiver on the football team. And obviously you got Dominique Blaylock. These are all young football players apart from Cager who's been dealing with a shoulder injury throughout the season. So, yeah, a part of that, you know, with the, the, the lack of passing yards has to do with Georgia running the football a lot. You know, they are about 57% run at this point, you know, 10, 11 games through the season. So it is what they do. I mean, they're set to run the football, but I think a lot of it has more to do with the fact that Look, this isn't a throw, you know, a spread it out, throw it all across the field type of football team. They are a pro style offense, so he's making a lot of tight window throws. So though the stats may not be there for the NFL guys when they flip on the tape, what they will see is Jake Fromm being a very quick and decisive decision maker and a guy who can, you know, maybe not attack the ball downfield in that 30 to 45 yard range, but he's deadly accurate inside the 25, uh, you know, inside 25 yards from the line of scrimmage. So. That's what it's going to take for an NFL team to be comfortable 
with taking Jake Fromm this spring in the NFL draft, they have to be in a situation like you mentioned. It doesn't necessarily have to be loaded with talent. It doesn't have to be flushed with talent all across the offensive end. But what you do have to have is an offensive system that allows Jake Fromm to do what he does best, which is, you know, make decisions quickly, get the ball out of his hand, you know, one, two, three-step drops and get rid of it. Because he does have a quick release, and, and like I mentioned, he is one of the more accurate quarterbacks uh, in college football, even despite, you know, not having one of the biggest arms. Yeah, we got Brooks Austin here on the phone. Make sure you're following him on social media for all your Georgia coverage. That's Brooks Austin at, at Brooks Austin SI. Brooks, my main thing is that I totally get where you're coming from. He's able to make those proper throws, especially in the red zone. He's able to be effective that way. And when you do lose out on guys such as Michael Hardman, a true burner uh, right in the middle, especially with the way that that SEC East comes out, you definitely are losing that type of player. But my main thing is I just look at this run game. Once again, you know, you lose Elijah Holyfield, but you still have one of the better run games. And he kind of leaves because of the guy who's sitting number two in the SEC in rushing yards, and that's DeAndre Swift. But before we talk about him, let's talk about the other running backs that we've seen. You know, the, the way that I look at Georgia is they're a running back by committee group. They have their lead back, but they have two guys as well who maybe don't get that same type of love and respect, who can be focal points of that offense, especially number 35. Absolutely. So, I mean, Georgia runs the ball right now, I believe, like 37, 38 times a game. So just for fun math, let's round it up to 40, Cole. If you had 40 offensive touches or offensive rushes from the Georgia Bulldog offense, the traditional split is 20 to the primary guy, 15 to the secondary guy and splitting five and five between that third and fourth guy. So, obviously, your starter is DeAndre Swift. You'll see him get anywhere from 20 to 25 touches in a, in a, uh, on any given Saturday, depending on who has the hot hand. As for Brian Herrian, he's kind of playing that secondary role. Look, as you mentioned, Georgia's been doing this for quite some time, even dating back to the days of having Todd Gurley and Keith Marshall on the same roster. And then that rolled into Sonny Michelle and Nick Chubb. And then that rolled into Swift and Evander Holyfield. And then that rolled into Swift and Brian Harry. And next season, uh, we'll kind of expect to see Samir White and Kendall Milton split uh, split carries, two five-star uh, tailbacks in their own, uh, you know, at their own, uh, what do you call it, merit. So, you know, it's kind of been the motive for Kirby Smart since he's taken over uh, role as Georgia head coach, and it's something that they talk to recruits about. Look, when they go out and they recruit Zach Evans, the number one running back in the country, while they already have Kendall Milton in the bag uh, in the 2020 class, they're going with the recruiting pitch that, look, DeAndre Swift's going to leave the University or the University of Georgia, and he's going to be a, he's going to have a clean bill of health because he didn't get 30, 35 touches every single game like we see some guys at Wisconsin and Alabama and LSU, some of these guys that get beaten to the ground, like a Leonard Fournette or, you know, like a Trent Richardson. That had more to do with the vision thing. But, you know, Kirby Smart's using that to his advantage. You don't necessarily have to play 45 snaps, 50 snaps every game as long as you do, uh, you know, well with the touches that you're given. And the end goal is to be in the NFL and be successful, and that's what he's pitching to these guys. Make the 40-year decision not the four-year decision. Make the decision that's going to set you up for the NFL and keep your body healthy while also allowing you to be draped in the Georgia Bulldog brand and uh, and getting your public image out there. That's kind of been the pitch for Kirby Smart to all these highly touted running backs. 
Part of the reason I think that Georgia is RBU is because of the way that these guys stay healthy because of how much talent is in a backfield in Georgia. You look at the success of Nick Chubb, Sonny Michelle, Todd Gurley. Uh, you could even throw that Keith Marshall was expected to be successful before his injuries that he suffered with Washington. Part of the reason is because of they come out of Georgia just as healthy as they did walking in. We have Brooks Austin here on the show. Guys, make sure you're following us on social media. Make sure you're following Brooks on social media. You can follow him at Brooks Austin SI. He is the lead senior writer for the Georgia Bulldog Maven. Uh, and guys, make sure you treat yourself to a meal you deserve and have your favorite restaurants come to you with DoorDash. Right now, our listeners can get $5 off their first order of $15 or more when you download the DoorDash app and enter promo code Locked on. Listening on the go? Well, we got you covered. If you can't visit DoorDash right now, you can find this and all other sponsors at LockedOnPodcast.com slash offers. Guys, we have talked so much about the Georgia offense, but Brooks here also has been studying the Texas A&M offense and the Texas A&M defense. So we will be right back and Brooks will give us his analysis on Texas A&M. Locked On Aggies, presented by the Locked On Podcast Network. Cole Townsend is still here in the driver's seat, getting you Aggie fans ready for Saturday's matchup as Texas A&M travels to Sanford Stadium out in Athens, Georgia, to take on the number four Bulldogs. And will they be able to play the spoiler role this season? They're going to go up against number four Georgia and number one LSU. If they can get one win against one of those two opponents, either one, that probably opens up so many doors for other teams in other conferences. So a lot of teams this weekend outside of Athens, Georgia, are probably going to be saying gig them a lot because they definitely are going to want to see their conference in. We have Brooks Austin, the senior writer for Bulldog Maven of Sports Illustrated. Brooks, we've talked about your team, but we gave you a task earlier this week to talk about Texas A&M and what you maybe have seen from them. One of the biggest things that A&M has struggled with early this season was an established run game, and that was because of the loss of Travion Williams to the NFL. And the secondary running back, Jay Sean Corbin, had a hamstring injury that sidelined him for the rest of the season, starting in week three. But now the emergence of Isaiah Spiller and Cordarian Richardson. Just what have you seen from the Texas A&M offensive side of the ball that could make them a threat against Georgia's defense? First of all, I don't think you can underestimate or understate the importance that Travion Williams had on that offense. Uh, for Texas A&M last, last year. You hit on it. Uh, you know, any critical third down or third and short last season, it seemed like they were calling on Trevion Williams uh, to pick it up. But as far as what I see from the Texas A&M offense, look, it's, a, it's you know, kind of that split-back offense that Jimbo Fisher's been running, even back to, uh, dating back to his days uh, at Florida State with Dalvin Cook and those guys. Um, you know, Texas A&M's offense is kind of like the rest of them. Uh, you know, I, I can note them similar to Auburn in the sense that they're going to put a lot of dressing on what they do. They're going to try to get your eyes in a whole bunch of different places uh, and sneak somebody out the back or sneak somebody into an open field. And Jimbo Fisher does a really good job of attacking a defense's weakness. But the only problem with that, and, and it's something that Fisher alluded to in his press conferences this week, Georgia's one of the more fundamentally sound and gap-sound football teams uh, that there is in the SEC. So I'm kind of interested to see what's going to happen Saturday if A&M continues to do what we've seen them do all year this year, which is do a lot of pulling of offensive linemen, pulling guards, pulling centers, pulling backside tackles. I just wonder if you can do that kind of stuff 
to an, uh, a Georgia defense that does such a good job and takes so much pride in controlling the line of scrimmage and, you know, maybe not getting a ton of penetration at the point of attack, but certainly holding firm at the point of attack and creating stalemates there. So I'm interested to see, you know, with a very disciplined team that Georgia has, what A&M can ultimately do if they can scheme up some things to get guys open. The only problem that I see Georgia having this weekend is they have had problems guarding the tight end position, and A&M's got one of the better freshmen in the entire country at that position in Watermeyer. I believe that's his last name. Correct me on the pronunciation. Um, but, you know, that young freshman, 6'5", 260 pounds, I wrote in my article this week, in my preview article, you know, he blocks like an SEC tight end, and he runs like an SEC wide receiver. So he will certainly provide, you know, a matchup problem. And, again, we've seen Georgia struggle uh, with Notre Dame's tight end, Cole Komet. We saw him struggle with uh, Florida's tight end. I'm missing on his name. And even Missouri's tight end to a little bit of an extent uh, just a few weeks ago. So as far as the A&M offense, Kellen Mond is something you're going to have to stop. Georgia has one thing that A&M has in their favor, rather, is you know, it is a triple-headed attack. They're basically running a triple option back there when Kellen Mond has that running option. And, you know, he's the third-leading rusher at the quarterback position in the SEC, and he's the third-leading passer in the SEC at the quarterback position. So when you have a dual threat and a, and a versatile attack like A&M, anything can happen. I mean, like we talked about earlier, they are scoring 34 points a game, though I believe that comes down to about the 25, 26 points per game margin when you just take the Power 5 schedule that they played this season. So a long-winded answer, but if, if I were to boil it down, A&M does a lot of things to beat you. Uh, Georgia does a lot of things to not get beat. They're very, very sound uh, and physical at the at, up front. Jalen Meyer Weidemeyer was not even expected to be the starting tight end this year, and now he is second yeah, all-time. That. That's what's yeah, nice. he was second. He's now second all-time in A&M tight end touchdowns in a single season. With six touchdowns on the year, he right now is also leading all freshman tight ends in college football with touchdowns on limited receptions. So he's going to be a guy that definitely I think Georgia needs to watch out for. But one guy that I definitely think A&M has to benefit for them is Kellen Mond. But the one way Kellen Mond struggles is when he feels that pressure. And Kirby Smart, another disciple of Nick Saban, he understands exactly this type of style that we've seen in the SEC for years. Alabama's known for turning pass rushers into studs at the next level. And Kirby Smart has started to do the same thing with guys such as Lorenzo Carter and, and even Roquan Smith up the middle being those heat-seeking missiles to go ahead and attack the quarterback in the backfield. So, Brooks, how do you think you're going to prepare for AM's dual threat ability in Mond, but more importantly, how much how how much is the importance of putting the pressure on a guy like Mond who can move in the pocket? You know, one thing that it's actually, you know, kind of gone, it's not unnoticed in the, in the local areas here for Georgia fans, but the national media hasn't really called light to it yet. Georgia really hasn't gotten after the passer this season. I mean, I think they're right in the middle of the pack in FBS in terms of sacks and tackles for loss. So the big impact plays haven't necessarily uh, been a, a staple of this defense throughout the season. But they do not allow explosive plays. The only, you know, plus 50-yard gainer that they've really given up all season was all the way back in week four, I believe, 
against Tennessee. Richard LeCount got his eyes caught in the backfield and got beat on a double move earlier in that football game. But outside of that, they do not allow explosive play. So they keep everything in front of them. They're a really good open tackling or an open field tackling football team. Um, but as of late, we've seen young guys like Trayvon Walker really get after the quarterback, and a name you'll probably hear Saturday is Aziz Ojolari, the redshirt freshman out of Marietta High School. Uh, he's come on strong this season. He's the leading sack, uh, you know, lead, has the lead for sacks uh, for Georgia, I believe, just over four and a half. So it's not a huge, uh, you know, pass rush for Georgia, but one thing they do do a good job of is they play matchup zone defense in the back end. So Ritual Account, Tyson Campbell, J.R. Reed, Eric Stokes, all these DBs do a very good job. Devon Wilson, Mark Webb, they all do a very good job of not allowing wide receivers to you know necessarily catch the ball, but if they do, they make sure they get tackled right there on the spot. So again, it it goes back to just not allowing explosive plays. It's something that Kirby Smart talks about all the time, uh, and it's something that he preaches to his defense. And he, again, it goes back to them being a fundamentally sound team and a well-coached football team, for that matter. Uh, a really young defense as well from that side. And, and one thing you will see, Cole Saturday. They'll play seven, you know, six or seven guys up on on that defensive line. So it'll be a fresh unit all day. Uh, and, and one guy you'll see in the run game shot, shutting things down is Jordan Davis. Big Jordan Davis, about 6'6", 340 pounds, and he's absolutely impossible to miss. He'll be the biggest guy on the field Saturday. Definitely, you can expect this to be a loaded box up the middle to stop Mond early, but you can expect the secondary to be playing up to speed. Brooks Austin from Bulldog Maven of Sports Illustrated. To follow him on social media at Brooks Austin SI. Brooks, I can't make my prediction because I still have a show on Friday, so I got to wait a little bit. But in 90 seconds or less, what do you expect to happen? Do you expect this to be a closer matchup than is expected? It's a 14-point favorite in favor of you guys, in favor of Georgia. And most importantly, is there a chance that we could even see an upset? And give me your final score. So I think... Kirby Smart, I was I was at the Stegman Arena today watching Georgia Tech on Georgia Tech, and prior to heading into the arena, you know Kirby Smart was actually on the big overhead speaker at the practice field, wearing guys out about special teams, man. And I'm telling you, there is no energy level higher than Kirby Smart. If there is, I'd be hard pressed to find it. There is no energy level higher than at a practice facility at the University of Georgia right now. I mean, even in between periods, the DJ's up there firing up uh, young thugs. So it's an extremely high-intensity uh, environment today. They were going good on good in the middle of, you know, the season here. Late into an SEC schedule, they were still going a couple of periods of one versus one. So as far as will Georgia show up flat this Saturday, I don't think that's a possibility. Kirby Smart and this senior uh, class and junior class for Georgia – simply isn't going to let that happen. Now, as for my prediction, I'm going to be, you know, a little boring here. I'm going to stick to the 14-point spread. I'm seeing a, a football game of a, a 31-17 to 17 nature. You know, Georgia's had the tendency, like we said, to let opponents into the football game late, so maybe it turns into a 31-24 matchup late into this football game. But nonetheless, I think Georgia pretty much controls the football game from the start to the finish. Uh, anything other than that, you know, A&M might get off to a hot start early. Um, but I don't foresee Georgia going down today. Uh, and even Jimbo Fisher talked about it in his press conferences this week. He said A&M will have to play one heck of a football game to even be able to compete with Georgia Saturday. And, again, you mentioned he might be, you know, blowing a little smoke uh, into the Georgia 
Bulldog fandom and, and team for that matter. But nonetheless, I think his sentiments are true. Uh, Georgia controls this game. I predict 31-17. Dogs on top. I'm definitely going to say that I maybe disagree with you on the score, but I totally get where you're coming from. But it doesn't really matter because you guys have already punched your ticket to Atlanta just right up the road. You will be representing the SEC East in the SEC Championship. It's really now up to Texas A&M to kind of help either LSU get that push forward or maybe even help Alabama come back because of if Alabama is to win out with Mac Jones and LSU would be to lose to A&M at Tiger Stadium, you could see an indication to where maybe Alabama gets that jump for it. But guys, thank you so much for joining us tonight. Make sure you're following Brooks Austin on social media at Brooks Austin SI. Check out all of his work at SI.com slash UGA. That is the UGA Bulldog Maven coverage of Georgia Bulldogs for Sports Illustrated. Just like how you can check out all of our great work at SportsIllustrated.com, SI.com slash T-A-M-U. Guys, thank you again so much for joining us on Locked on Aggies. We will be back tomorrow for Asking Aggies. We'll also be back to give our previews of all the games going around the SEC. Of course, giving our prediction for Texas A&M versus Georgia. We'll see you the same time tomorrow. Remember, y'all, gig them. This has been Locked on Aggies. Presented by the Locked On Podcast Network.